This week on the show, the cheeky Cockney chap Ricky and Carl encountered on the street, you know, the one who nicked a load of Office DVDs because they were going like hotcakes. The kid in the wheelie bin story comes up again. It makes Carl very uncomfortable. Rockbusters reaches its final form and educating Ricky, including what's tomato with you. All that and more on Series 2, Episode 9. If you'd like to get the show a week early and never encounter an ad, you can do it at our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Carly Pilk Boys. Just $2 a month to be an assistant producer. If you uh, subscribe at the senior producer level, $3.50 a month, you get a whole additional podcast called the Brady Brett Boys. Patreon.com forward slash Carly Pilk Boys. All right, on with the show. Welcome back to the Carly Pilk Boys podcast. I'm David Ferrier. With Stephen Merchant. Two little Aussie radio fellas there checking the old Ricky Gervais XFM show. Obviously, I've listened heaps. This is Zach's first time. Today's show, Series 2, Episode 9, a.k.a. I didn't write an a.k.a. I've been doing so well. What could the a.k.a. Uh, cheeky, cheeky, cheeky chap, I'll call it. Cool. A.k.a. Cheeky chap. Uh, Zach, do you have a Heat magazine style headline for this show? Ricky Gervais caught with a BUI broadcasting under the influence. <laughs> this is a hangover show from Ricky. Uh, have you ever done, have you ever been hungover doing a show? No. Well, you know, we do, I, I think it would be much more common. Although, Ricky, this is an afternoon show. <laughs> it'd be much more common for like breakfast shows, I think, you know. We were late at night or now in the afternoon. It's pretty, you know. Um, no, basically. That's a good point. I didn't consider that for most of your career you've done a late night show. So that would be a real effort to still be massively hung over at 10 o'clock Well, at night. sometimes this station would have like uh, drinks and stuff like that. Like if bosses were in town, they'd be like, we're all going out for drinks. And we'd be like, you know, we're on air in two hours. <laughs> it's not the most appropriate thing to be taking us to. Yeah. Because it's illegal, obviously, to be drunk on air. Is it? I, I don't know if that's I'm the same. In, um, I assume it's the same in the UK. But, yeah, you can't be drunk on air in Australia. And also, like, they we pitched, like, this wine, uh, this wine tasting segment once because my co-host thought of himself as being, like, really high class. And he was like, I can, I'm, like, I'm getting really into wine. Anyway, we pitched this idea and the boss was like, no, no. You cannot consume alcohol while broadcasting. Even we're like, oh, we'll like spit it out. We'll do that wine tasting thing. He's like, no, it was like really serious. So I was like, oh, okay. There is some rule about you can't glamorize hmm. alcohol or something. It's we're, like in in, alcohol, in beer ads and stuff, you never see them drink it. Oh, don't you? Yeah. They're always just holding it. It's some weird rule. Uh, we ended up doing it though. So I don't know. Oh. I don't know how we. Did you get sacked? <laughs> probably what happened no but the the solution was by the way we got our four dollar bottles of passion pop the cheapest wine you can get in australia and uh, my co-host thought they were 60 dollars bottles of wine so turns out he doesn't know why so it was a it ended up being a prank on <laughs> yeah. dom yeah that's, that's right. very funny thanks um i yeah have early on doing announcer shifts like at 10 o'clock on a saturday morning there was one in particular where you could really hear it in my voice because my voice was had dropped three octaves. <laughs> and 
it was one of those things where someone messaged me afterwards. I think it was the assistant, like, boss yeah. who said, like, hey, man, are you, like, okay, you sounded different. I was like, oh, yeah, I was pretty hungover, to be honest. But I still showed up. I still did the thing. It's- I probably wasn't as high energy enough. It was probably more like, as Kesha coming up, temp- oh, it's Pitbull. Here we go. Was this, what, like, early? Early, da- early, early days. Um, and I was told, like, hey, don't tell anyone that you did that because you could get in a lot of trouble. Really? Yeah. Okay, interesting. I wasn't drunk. I was hungover. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I think it's best to be, uh, to, to be honest, and what Ricky does. Although, no, it's best not to be hungover <laughs> because you're going to do a better job. Well, and but as, if you are, like, don't try to pretend that you're not. And as Steve and Ricky point out, like, he's not doing anything during the week these days. That's pretty. They're funny. not filming, so he's got no excuse. This is the one day he has to actually. It do probably something. shows how seriously he takes the show. Not very. No, not very. And we are seeing that the juxtaposition between this show and the Office Series 2, which is running uh, like between this one and last week's Episode 3 went to air. And it, and we're doing the Brady Brett Boys. We're up to Episode 3 of The Office. Our spin-off podcast on the Patreon, if you want to check it out, patreon.com forward slash Carly Pilk Boys, just $3.50 a month for the senior producer level. And we're seeing the juxtaposition between something that they have crafted and they are the auteurs of and have worked really hard on and then knowing that like in the same week that that went to air they're doing this radio show where ricky is literally hung over and hasn't prepared a single thing um which is another like last week this show carl is running things again and i like that you can hear that ricky and carl's friendship has reached the point where they're now just doing ridiculous scenarios and would you rather's I enjoyed the Would You Rathers. I thought that was all right. The only thing I thought is they're just so unstructured. It's just he throws them out randomly in other segments. Yeah. If he kind of, if they had like their own area, because the reason it works is Carl takes it so seriously. He takes everything at face value and just with this intense sincerity. (laughs) It's like he really wants to get the right answer. The story of of how he'd get his brain to Glasgow (laughs) from London he, he takes it dead serious. Like, it's a, a, a thing that he could actually do. And we talked about this last week. We'll get to that break a bit later. But you were you were in the right ballpark. Didn't we settle on some sort of insect? How do I feel about that, that <laughs> I came to the same solution that Carl Pilkington did? Well, that's the funny thing. I've actually always been, you know, I have described uh, people before, broadcasters I know as, like, Carl Pilkington-like and people think that it's a put down. I'm not doing it as a put down. I actually think he's great. I don't think that he comes up with, uh, you know, their wacky ideas, but you know, it's interesting. I'm not saying that if I describe someone as Carl Pilkington, I love Carl Pilkington. It's not a, it's not a put down at all. I think it means that you've got a totally unique yeah. perspective. Yeah. And you will say things that are hilarious that no one else could say that are funny in that way. But I think because, you know, Steve says a number of times throughout the run, don't have kids. That's so sad. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, I, maybe people are like thinking, well, I don't want to be someone that people don't think I should pass on my genetic line. I think it would be dangerous if I procreated. <laughs> that's probably a little too far. So in break one, uh, Steve tells Ricky to raise his hand when he's finished talking. And that's something that in radio you're taught to do the opposite in a show environment, particularly if there's three hosts. If you want to talk, raise your hand and then the person who is currently talking can see that and wind things up and you can jump in and you don't get the dreaded talk over. 
a bit like the classroom where you sat on the carpet and raise your hand if you've got a question. Yes, David. Yeah. Um, I was wondering, uh, what would you rather, to be amploid or sado? Do you, are there any other hand signals that you've used before? Because there it's, are some common ones, but also it's not kind of standardized. So what are some that you've had? So wrap up, do you do this one where you kind of like wrapping uh, your two index fingers around each other? Which usually like, it's the lasso in oh, the yeah, air. Wrap it up. But then on the breakfast radio show that I was doing, the one of the hosts who'd been doing it for 20 years one day told me, he said, um, David, you don't know this, but... I used to work with an anchor who I hated, who was very, like, just, they almost came to blows, who would do that all the time and do it in my face. And so, when I see you do that, I associate that with him. So, can we come up with a different signal? So, I would do the, do this. Like, uh, no touchdown, I think that is. Yeah. The, in, like, in NFL. Yeah, no no score. Like, the... Hands in the in the middle to the start, and then just separating them. So that became the signal for time to wrap up. Um, in another world where I was looking, when I was just a panel up, and I was looking to the executive producer for cues, a little triangle was uh, go to ads. Why? I don't know because yeah. <laughs> there was a choice sometimes to either go to ads or go to another song. So it would be either go to ads or go to a song and do the little conductor hands. Oh, okay. Um, and then, of course, making a little phone call thing to like go to the phones. So if we're, if we're back from a, uh, you've solicited for calls, you go to a song and then you're, re like you're sort of resetting and it's going on too long. Because it's the caller break. You want to get to the calls as quick as possible. You do. I would do a bit of this. You go like, come on, come on, get to it. So, they're my signals. I get the impression, I j well, I would assume that you and Dom weren't big. No. Well, there was only two of us. And once you work together for a while, it's a bit more intuitive. However, I did um, do some uh, work last year with like a sports talkback show. And how about this? So these guys were used to working in talkback, which is in Australia, there's a difference between like AM and FM. I assume it's the same around the world. AM's like very talkbacky and yeah. shock jock. And Can someone explain this to me? What do you think? Give us a call. So they were doing this. I'll show you. What does this mean? Break. Yeah. Like a snow, like a, um, a glow stick, like snapping a glow stick, which meant- Or just a regular stick. Go to a break. Like we're breaking it. Um, I, I was like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> like they were doing it in my face because I was paneling and I was like, I have no idea what you're doing. And then it got really confusing because the producer would like, we'd get into these like kind of bit of a heated back and forth. I was trying to stay calm, but it was like in a high pressure, you know, there was a time limit on it. And he kept saying like, how many breaks are left? How many breaks are left? And I'd say, well, we've got two breaks before 7am or whatever. He was referring to it. Took us. It was like a who's on first situation. He was referring to ad breaks. I was referring to talk breaks. So we were like, have you ever heard an ad break referred to as we have X amount of breaks left? No, no. It's always breaks a talk were break. always talk breaks. But I yeah, was getting talked to. What do we do with the third break in seven? It's yeah. It's a I was talk, getting talked talk to like I was a buffoon. Yeah. I was like, no, mate, you're wrong. Everyone else does it another way. <laughs> That's the thing is that it being in an industry where there's no standardized I know. way to talk about it. Maybe that's what we should do. But that, isn't that um, weird that it is 
it, it applies to bro, uh, to both that it is well a break could be like a break you're taking a break that's but, what they were doing because they do such long periods of talking they do 20 minutes periods of talking and then they go we're going to take a break whereas in fm radio you, you don't really take a break it's always in these kind of five minute chunks yeah so we should probably come up with a different word well that's why probably the uk use link that's true yeah um and uh these well a new one because of the the technology now is spot block yeah which i still actually don't really understand but i know it means ads yeah and also sweep you know like if you say we would always say we're going to do a two song sweep here which means we're going to play two songs in a row with a sweep in the middle does that make sense to you yes because then i remember talking to a boss they were like the head of content and we're asking them how they wanted the show to sound. And they go, well, will we do two song sweeps or one song? And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, work it out. What do you think? And I was like, oh, maybe. Okay. I was like, oh, well, like, you know, will there be two songs between us talking or one song? And they were like, oh, whatever you want. They couldn't care less. <laughs> uh, then in this first break as well, Steve says that he's financially dependent on the show. Not sure how much of that is a joke or if it's true. But the, obviously the money from the office hasn't started to seriously roll in. Those DVD sales. They're in different buckets, as Carl describes on a <laughs> YouTube clip that I saw. What a time to be a creator. Now you just sell your show, if you're lucky, to Netflix or Paramount Plus or something like that. When you, It was the days where people would buy DVDs. Like, that's where... I remember hearing an interview with Matt um, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. They said, like, our actual job in terms of what is actually paying us the most is we are DVD salesmen. Is and it, this was back in sort of 2009. That would have only been like a 10-year period. Yeah. and like, how, like, there was only 10 years that that would have been profitable. Do you... I love that you can see if someone still has DVDs on a shelf, you really get a picture of <laughs> the timeline of DVDs. It usually starts with Shallow Howl <laughs> and ends with... 30 Rock Season 5. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was that like 2008 probably, yeah. 2009? Yeah. Uh, Everyone, a lot of people had The Mighty Boosh on DVD. Mm-hmm. That was a big uh, one. Well, even era. this one, Extras and well, The Office. Office and Extras. Yeah. Time. I've, I've still got the DVD of like Series 1 and 2 and the Christmas specials. The, the I think it was actually the 10th anniversary. I remember my friend had uh, Curb. Um, when we were in high school and it was like, you'd get the DVDs in sections. It wouldn't be the whole, it wouldn't be the whole series. It's like series one, part one. Yeah. Which you'd get on VHS. <laughs> like the closest thing they had to Simpson box sets back on in the VHS days were like, it would be, it would be themed specials. It'd be like the Bart episode. Yeah, that's and right. It'd be four yeah. Cause they could on only a fit a few episodes on a VHS. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had Futurama on DVD. Yes, me too. Um, I, think, I had a few Simpsons. Yeah. I had a few DVD. Simpsons. But that was a big investment at that age. Yes. I was like 18 and they were like 50 bucks or something. Yeah. And they were special as well. <laughs> Except that I've got the series six one where it's Homer's head and it's the puffy DVD thing. It's, it does not sit no. on a shelf. They it's have to think about annoying. that when they make the um, whole collection. It's like, how are they going to sit together on your shelf? Cause that's really what they are. It's kind of like a trophy, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I'll be, even if I don't have a DVD or Blu-ray player, if the Simpsons ends, which I, it's, it's a zombie of a show now. It's mm. way past when it should have ended. But when it eventually does and they do a complete Simpsons, I'll be spending my $1,000 on that or whatever it is for the trophy aspect, for the 
so I can pass it on to my children. This is, you don't have a house, you don't have any money yeah. to pass down, but here you go, here kids. You go. These DVDs. Trust me, it's culturally important. Um, don't you think it's interesting? I've always thought someone like Seinfeld was in the perfect spot. You talk about making money from DVDs. So the last one to make huge money from syndication. Yeah. Right? But then... Because it went into DVDs, made a ton of money from DVDs. I remember they sold the digital rights to Sony about 10 years ago yep. for hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, the deal must have only been for like 10 years or something. Because then last year, they sold to Netflix again. Well, I don't think it was disclosed, but we can assume hundreds of millions Lots. of dollars again. So, they were able to sell the same product like three or four times for the same price. There's no other industry where you're able to do that. And they were the last ones. They would be the last ones who will make, like they just made so much money time and time again. He has been like in the top five, I think, um, Jerry Seinfeld, uh, something like in the top five uh, entertainment earners or comedian earners for like the last 10 years. And, but what has he made new? Nothing. Comedians in cars getting Yeah, coffee. but I don't think that has impacted, Available which you know, I do enjoy watching that show, but I don't think that has made money or as much money as Seinfeld anyway. And so, like, it's just reselling this show. And I did see an interview, like, a few weeks ago where George Alexander, who played uh, George Costanza, uh, not George Alexander, Jason Alexander, who played George Costanza, kind of was throwing a bit of shade about how the rest of the cast didn't get as much money. I mean, they'd still made shitloads of money but was like oh you know like uh larry and jerry i guess they did create it so but you know it is a big gulf between them and the rest of us i mean yeah i don't know i i would find it hard to have sympathy for him i agree if uh yeah i mean still lucrative and um never forget you talked about what has jerry seinfeld done since never forget b movie it was one of the greats it was one of the greats uh so then in break two Carl has tightened up his ideas this week. What did, what did you make, you know, you're for, with your radio brain hearing this for the first time. So last week he came back from holiday strong. He had these new ideas, but they weren't executed necessarily totally perfectly. They did all of the educating Rickies in one go and Rockbusters was on the phone. But this week he's worked it out. You spread educating Ricky across the show and Rockbusters is email only. I like it. It was cleaner. The... I like the um, email. The issue is it's pretty anticlimactic at the end, isn't it? They just kind of fired through all the answers very quickly. But from a listener, if you're invested, it is, it's a, uh, what, do, what do they call it? It's a TSL builder. It's if you want to know the answer, you'll spend more time spent listening to get to the end. To it, you know what answer. it is? It's kind of the equivalent of turn to the back for answers. You know how you do a quiz in a book and it's yeah. like all the answers are at the back and but you just flip to the back. To the back. You have to read every page. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's perfect yet. Do they stay with this? Is that how they stay with it? Yeah, so this is the final form of Rockbusters. And so the fun becomes the way Ricky, oh, sorry, Carl's uh, clue, cryptic clues. And then when he reveals the answers, how far away from an actual clue or the actual band name they become. To be fair to him, they were all, I was kind of- These ones were good. Yeah, I was kind of frustrated in myself when they were revealed. I was like, oh, I should have got that. Well, because last week you didn't get any of it. You, you no, just I got, got in sync, but you, like, you were basically uh, 
you know, he basically gave it to me. Well, stick around to the end because we, we, I will give you next week's Rockbusters to see how you go. Uh, the prizes include a DVD of Children of the Corn. That was also on everyone's shelves back in the day. Um, and uh, good tickets to go see DJ Shadow. Uh, and we had actually a message on the Patreon. Someone who was at that gig claims to have been at the gig they were giving tickets away from. I've asked him for a review, but as of recording this, he hasn't gotten back. I wonder too if he bought tickets or he won tickets from the show because if he if he was the winner of these these tickets, that's pretty special. Um, you had to go into reception to pick them up. As car, and if that's the case, I want a full report. I want any photos if you have them. I was thinking, did they have a receptionist working on the weekend, or is it well, just a uh, they'll have the tickets at the front, at the, at the on the front step with your name on it? There are a few occasions where they say you'll have to come into reception and collect them, and it's a Saturday, so I assume they must. Yeah, which definitely is not the case here. Uh, in break three, they talk about the cheeky chap that Ricky and Carl encountered. Okay. But we're walking on the street. Carl was there, though. You can back me up on this. Um, we had a curry. We're walking back. And uh, this little funny homeless fella, didn't he? Mm. he uh, oh, I've got to tell you before, before I go, didn't he? Yes. <laughs> he, 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 uh, he came up to me, right? And he recognised it. Uh, 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 talking's more difficult than you think. Right? Um, and he came up to me and he went, he went, oh, he said, I've just nicked five of your DVDs from HMV. <laughs> and he shook my hand. He was so happy with it. And I went, right, excellent. He went, all I do is I just swing the bag over the top like that <laughs> when, when I'm going out. And he had a bag full of DVDs, didn't he? And he was, he was so pleased to tell me that he'd stolen. Oh, going like, oh, cakes. And off he went whistling. You've the first time hearing that story, Zach. Thoughts? Um, I liked how proud the guy was. You know, and how delighted he didn't seem to be ashamed or trying to hide the fact that he had met the person he had stolen the DVD of. Like, that was a highlight. He didn't seem to think, like, oh, this guy might be upset at me if I say that I stole one of his DVDs. No, it's a huge compliment yeah. to go, like, your show is so good. I've stolen f- not just one DVD, I've stolen five. Um, I, I, Ricky is hungover, and he's, there's points that have never, I've listened to these a thousand times have never made sense to me, particularly this part. And, uh, this little funny homeless fella, didn't he? Mm. He, uh, oh, i got to tell it before, before I go, didn't he? Yes. i got to tell it before I, gotta, I go. i got to tell you before I go, he? didn't he? So, I think he went, he went, so I, I put this to the Patreons, patrons again, like, hey, can anyone just decipher this or translate? <laughs> and, uh, this little funny homeless fella, didn't he? Mm. He, uh, oh, i got to tell it before, before I go, didn't he? Yes. <laughs> so, he said, didn't he? Uh, and then the the every so there's few few answers everyone seemed to know. Uh, oh, I've got to tell you before I go, didn't he? Because he said didn't he to Steve, as though Steve already knew the story, despite the fact he was only now reciting it. So he started the story with a funny little homeless fella, didn't he? And then he went, oh no, I've got to tell it before I go, didn't he? Still doesn't make much sense. Yeah, that you're I'm, looking I'm at me very to follow that. I mean, I get like most of the time. Because, you know, sometimes you listen back to your own radio breaks or or podcast or whatever. And sometimes you're like, what? The, that in isolation doesn't make any sense. You kind of slur words together. I get the overall thing. Like when you put it into, like it doesn't take away from the, the, story. the story. I'm like, the I still understand what he means generally. Yeah. But yeah, that, that sentence in isolation, it's just kind of slurred words together. <laughs> And it's another warning. Why, kids, you shouldn't drink and broadcast. <laughs> he is. 
<laughs> what does he say afterwards? He's like putting words together as hard, don't you know, or something. Yeah. And he so does seem harder than you can imagine. He he does seem to be genuinely struggling. Yeah. But so that idea of telling someone you stole something of well that the, the, their intellectual property or whatever they stole their DVD as sort of a compliment. It reminded me of when I was in broadcasting school. Uh, and we all got our headshots done because it was the kind of place where in this certain hallway they'd have like, oh, here are the students doing acting this year. Yeah, Here's right. the class of whatever. And also then, so they can uh, put it on file in case you get famous. Well, yeah. And then there was uh, the one, all the, all the students doing broadcasting. And so we had our headshots taken and then we got access to the folder where all of them were. And I saw there was one where I was smiling with my eyes closed and I thought, that's funny. Took a screenshot. Made it my Facebook profile picture. And I happened to be at some other event where the photographer who took those photos were. And I told him, as like, oh, man, you, the photos are so good. There was one where my eyes were closed. I thought it was so funny. I took a screenshot and now it's my Facebook profile picture. And he laughed awkwardly and went, that's actually copyright infringement. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> So hang on, hang on. Sue me? Because why? See, this was where you could Well, because it was his property. Like and he is a professional photographer. But haven't you paid for it? Or haven't the didn't the the university pay pay for it? The session and then you pay for one photo for them to use. But that's you know, I I thought it was being a bit delicate because it's like what am I making money out of my profile picture? He just didn't like that I was using his work without... I think sometimes you have to look at the bigger picture, pardon the pun, in those situations of like... Because I've been in that situation before where people have posted videos. You know, they rip a video and they post it. It's not as much of a thing anymore because it's just flooded so much that... I don't know. Or maybe people know not to rip people's content without attributing it but like earlier you know five or six years ago it was like a big thing where you'd try to get hey take that down Mm. or or credit me or whatever you're just it's like just it's like trying to um go against an avalanche like it just it's no use trying to do it and if the post has been up for six hours it's done it's dash anyway and so in a similar thing i'm like pick your battles a little bit like is this one person who's put it as their profile picture actually going to impact you that much probably not mm. but i can understand he, he's probably annoyed maybe a hundred people have done that and you're the first person that's owned up to it i don't well, know yeah i was stupid enough to confess my crime to him that's so interesting though i remember going to a wedding photographer and they were um they were like quoting their amounts you know and they take they said we'll take 300 photos or we'll take a thousand photos or whatever and then you get to pick 60 and I'm like, and then what happens to the rest of them? And it's like, oh, well, those are, you know, they delete them, I guess. And I'm like, from our wedding day. We put them in our own picture book. <laughs> so I'm like, and you've taken the, the photo. Can't I have it? <laughs> like, I don't, it doesn't mean anything to you. It's, it's the greatest day of my life. <laughs> like, it's kind of cruel not to give it to me. That's funny. Did And that is what happened? No, well, I went with a, you know, every photographer has a different ethos. You have to find one that lines up with you. I went to one and said, I don't know, you can have the whole hard drive. Like, you know, have as many as you want. We've got the photos. They're all yours. And so we went with that guy and he was awesome. Yeah. Cool. And um, 
And uh, do you have one of those photo books by any chance? Like, of the wedding? Do, yeah, what do you do with wedding No, I've been, it's been 10 years I've been meaning to do it. You've just got a hard drive that you could I, Yeah, I made, I made a few copies of it, you know, because I'm worried about losing them. But um, my mother-in-law gave us like a photo book, but it was like not, you know, the wedding ones are like high quality, like $150 a page kind of thing. They You can get like very, very expensive. This was like one of those ones that you log on to some website and print out, you know, way down the cheaper end. Yeah. So we have one of those, but like, it's hardly, it's hardly like a keepsake one. Um, back on the show. Uh, I, so I think, I think this story, the, this encounter that Ricky and Carl had, I think it illustrates the value of this show is that, that you hear, you hear stories like that because they, they have a radio show to do. Whereas if they weren't, doing this show, we would miss that. That would be lost to the world. And that's like, I love that. I wish more people I liked did a weekly, I don't know, it would be a podcast these days just to talk about things that have been going on in their life. Because then, like, you know, this is someone whose fame is growing and he's having these weird encounters and we get to hear about it. And don't you think there's a buddy comedy in Ricky and Carl's life? Yeah. (laughs) Bumping around London, you know, they went, they went out for a curry. Yeah. Oh, man, how fun would that have been yeah. to be with them? The conversations, Ricky wrestling Carl to the floor. <laughs> Playing football out on the street. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Carl mentions the Paul Whitehouse character that this guy reminded him of. I found this because I've, I've you know, not seen, I'm not familiar with Paul Whitehouse. Apologies to all the English listeners who are. But he, uh, I found the character that he was referring to. His name is Chris the Cockney. And just so we can hear a bit more of what Carl was talking about, this is actually, it's a full sketch. It only goes for a minute 20. It's the, uh, the cheeky, chopney, cheeky cockney chap that Rick, uh, Carl referred to, uh, Chris the Cockney. Hello, yes. Hello, yeah. I wonder if you could spare a few minutes, mate. Well, no, I'm very busy. I'm just reformatting my hard disk. Oh, right, I won't keep you long. My name is Chris, right? I'm a little bit woo, a little bit wee, a little bit... <laughs> I'm dodgy, I'm a geezer, I will nick anything, right? And I'm in the area doing a bit of customer relations, right? Because I'm trying to put a human face to burglary, you know? Because <laughs> let's face it, burglary's had a bit of a bad reputation lately, hasn't it, eh? Yeah? And a lot of people have been very dissatisfied with the type of service that they've been getting, right? So I'm here to offer you a fully bespoke up, personalised burglary service. The Chris... The crafty cockney, a little bit were, a little bit we, millennial breaking service. Well, what do I have to do with it? Well, you and me have to sort out your own personalised burglary plan. First of all, there's the deluxe option. Uh, for that, I just do your motor. That's what most people go for. Right. Then there's your gold service. For that, I do a full security survey, inside and out, right? So that I don't do any damage when I get in, right? And we can arrange a convenient time. I don't know, you could be on holiday or I don't know what you get up to, mate. All right? But that way, I don't do any damage when I get in, I don't disturb you, and I don't get shot. <laughs> and then there's the platinum service. Oh, what's that then? For that, I make sure that my mate Vernon don't shit in your bed. <laughs> Good gear. That's yeah, funny. That's a funny idea. Yeah. I love the idea of putting a face to burglary. <laughs> Uh, it, uh, Steve basically pitches the idea for Uber, Uber in this break as well. When he's but he's complaining about illegal minicabbers, people just driving around saying like, "You need a lot ride," and then you know coming up with a, a figure. But wasn't he pay. saying that um, people were? My understanding was they were hijacking black cabs. Were they? No, 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 no. It, it was a, 
Did it ever happen in Brisbane? It happened to me once in Perth, but I know it was more of a thing in London, whereas people with a car would just drive around the Soho area or, or uh. Camden and see people were waiting for a taxi and go, where do you want to go? I'll take you and you can just pay me. And then you sort of negotiate a fee. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, that's almost exactly Uber. It's Uber without the smartphone or a torch or an A to Z. Uh, so then... <laughs> Um, the story of Carl's dad putting a disabled kid in the bin comes up again. He points out the last time that he told the story, it got complaints, and Ricky asked him to explain why. Why did it get a complaint? Why? Why did you get complaints about it? Because it's because he put a kid in a bin, and it's not the thing to do. <laughs> it's not the thing to do, Zach, okay? He, he understands now, and it's interesting because... Um, he really doesn't want to tell it. So he understands now, whether or not he understood the first time, I think he probably did. Well, he that started he shouldn't, getting a bit nervous that he the shouldn't, first time. Uh, this isn't a story that he should be, you know, sharing yeah, or he, encouraging. He clearly had to deal with complaints afterwards, but it is just still, Ricky can sense he doesn't want to talk about it. So being him, he's really trying to pull it out of him. And Carl just falls for it and he's just like, Okay, you know, he responds to because I think that deep down he thinks it was he he sort of thinks at, at this time, and this is total conjecture conjecture that he deep down thinks like no, it was you know he deserved it, right? It's what what because he's like well he was annoying everyone you know that's the thing and also he comes up with this logic about laughing and I want your thoughts on it. But being laughed at isn't as good for you, is it? No, but there's probably more people laughing at one person, so if you balance it out, there's only one person who's upset and there's a bunch of people laughing. So, it's... it's He's arguing for the greater good, Zach. Yeah, well, it's a real uh, moral kind of ethical question, isn't it? It's like, um, I don't agree with that. <laughs> it's it's an argument I think works better for something like vaccines and public health. Yeah. Less so for um, laughing at people because there is a thing called... Um, empathy and uh that it doesn't necessarily feel good to know that someone is um suffering because you're laughing at them yeah yeah i mean i think he was put on the spot i don't know if he would like i don't know like you know it sounded like he was just coming up with that on the spot i don't know if that's a life motto that he has or something that he stands by but like um yeah, no, it's not. It's, you know, it, it is. It's like the train thing where it's like, well, do you change the thing and it runs over one person, or do you let it go where it's going? <laughs> you know, there's a. Um, if it's going to bring a lot of people happiness. Is it okay to laugh at someone's expense? Well, it's commonly, you know, punching up or punching down. Yeah. You know, so are you laughing at someone in power, like the jester making fun of the king? We can kind of all laugh at that because the king's got all this power. True. It's not going to impact them. But if we're laughing at the uh, peasants. You know, it's like, oh, well, come on. Yeah. They, they're having a rough yeah. trot. Scr- uh, scrambling in the dirt. <laughs> uh, Ricky goads Carl and draws basically the whole story out of him again. And Steve asks the question that really should be asked. So, uh... Is your father in prison? <laughs> oh, I think he should be. Can I put a song on? Yeah, go on, man. <laughs> he doesn't want to talk about it. So then moving on to break four, they come out of feet to come back around again. Um, did you know, Zach, that spiders hate having their leg twisted? Uh, yeah. I hate it too. So we've got that in common with spiders. Ricky and Carl's relationship is growing. They're now doing just ridiculous scenarios in their, in their, uh, in their social life together outside of the show. And we're, we're on to the bit, how would you get his brain from Glasgow to uh, London to Glasgow? 
And as we've already talked about, he's taking this scenario very, very seriously. And as he's uh, detailing the story, he says, I put my brain in the flea. It's dead small, the flea. (laughs) Thanks for clearing that up. So, yeah, you didn't settle on an insect, but pretty close. Flea's pretty good. You you came to insect. Yeah. You didn't say, you didn't specify an insect. Flea's pretty good because they're very, um, they're used to having uh, human hosts or like, you know, an animal host. So, they're used to catching on to things and also they can jump so high can't they and compared to over the uh, london eye apparently. you'd want <laughs> you'd want a um you want a mobile insect either being able to fly or jump a long way like i don't know if you'd want to be an ant because they can't travel at a human speed whereas a flea kind of can like a fly definitely not like a human running but a human walking a fly could kind of catch up i love later in the episode someone is called up to challenge Carl on his choice, and he's saying, well, how would you know which train to get on? And he says, I'd look at the timetable. It's <laughs> the idea of a flea looking up at the timetable. But also the person taking it so seriously as well that they're going to take issue with it. Yeah. I love it. It's perfect. So then they move on to educating Ricky, and Ricky just derails the break straight away by asking the question, what superhero he'd rather, Frogboy, Amploid, or Sado? Uh, and then we get the headlines. Don't do that. You know it can't live without a head. If only it were raining. And what's tomato with you? Uh, this I, I don't really have anything to add to this because then they do the don't do that. You know you can't live you can't live without a head. Talking about worms. Yeah, it's just is what it is. Those kind of like I don't feel like they work as much when they're just reciting. Just these like kind of fun facts that you might have on yeah. the back of a cereal box. Yeah. Uh, Rockbuster setup. Carl gives his Rockbuster clues. Oh, here we go. And one of them, one of them this week was submitted by a listener. So thank you so much. What does he get for his efforts? Uh, that person who's done that, don't email in because you're disqualified <laughs> from the comp. <laughs> Just so strangely hilarious the way he delivers that. Also, just like shows Carl's where his priorities are. Like previously, he tried very hard not to give away the VHS. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then this instance, like. In his mind, someone would be submitting a clue so then they could win it. Yes. Whereas, like, that person just wanted to be involved. Yeah, just wanted to contribute to the show. Uh, I love that in the next break, how excited Carl is that the competition's working because they see how many emails are coming in and he's and he sounds genuinely excited. It's a rare moment, but when he's going, look at that, look at that. And I just thought that is a good example of when you try something an idea and you come up with a premise and you think it's fun. And then when it reveals itself to be good that you hoped it would be, that's a pretty like powerful feeling. Yeah. When, um, so the radio is on a 10 second delay, right? Well, every station's different, but we used to work under a 10 second delay. So you'd do a phone topic and then you'd hit the song and then 10 seconds later, the calls would come and it was always a great, 10 seconds where we're like, come on, come on. let's watch those calls. Like, and like our full, full board of calls because they're all lighting up. Because there's like 10 <laughs> phone lines. So when they suddenly go bang, yeah. you're like, oh. It's a great feeling when, when you get a full board because yeah. you're like, we're connecting. That, but it, it's funny because it's only 10 lines and you have thousands of listeners. So you'd think, it, you'd think it'd be much easier to, uh, to do, but it is still like a rush. Oh, hugely. Uh, and you're so right. That delayed, that 10 seconds of, it, of nervousness and just waiting to see 
if you're uh, going to succeed or if you're bad and unfunny and shouldn't be doing it and should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's how because you see it internally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, there's a, so when it doesn't work in radio, I don't know what your tactic is to just alleviate a bit of the embarrassment and shame is we'd buzz through to the producers and go like, can you turn the phones on, please? <laughs> Or, or as a gag. Or do the classic tap the side of the screen going, come on, it's not working. Come on, start calling. Uh, it is kind of like a dead mood if it doesn't work. It, there's so many factors. You know, once you get momentum going, when we were doing it late nights, and once you're like humming, you can be pretty confident in what you're going to get. But yeah, some, when you come back from holidays and stuff, sometimes it takes a while to get those callers back. And um, it's a pretty dire mood if things aren't very good. Or you get one call through and it drops out as the yes. producer picks up and you're like, try to get them back. Try to get them back. I've done like a game where we, I needed two people to go head to head. And then right before we started, the second player dropped out and it was the only two callers that we had. So I had to just do the game with one person. <laughs> it was so sad. Uh, um, Ricky then um, says this about the show. Oh, you are, right? Well... Now we've got them and they're staying. Something we, we've still got to do yeah. is... Uh, he is running the show now. He's doing well, isn't he? Because I've done nothing. I've done nothing towards this. I'm coming up my hangover a little bit if you're worried. <laughs> That's a bit of a key phrase. Carl is now literally acknowledged as running the show. Yeah, and does it stay this way, the dynamic? It sort of ebbs and flows a little bit. I listened to a bit of next week's show and there is more Steve talking to Ricky about something. But generally, in terms of the segments, it's all, yeah, no. R Ricky and Steve don't come in with, oh, we're going to bring back Song for the Ladies or Hip Hop Hooray. Although I think he does mention Song for the Ladies at the end of this show. It's all Carl. The Hip Hop Hooray feels like a bygone era. Yeah. You know, like, we haven't heard that for like uh, so long. But even like in this show now, it feels like it wouldn't fit. Well, and they even go and they play De La Soul. And it's a song that would have been introduced as Hip Hop Hooray. But now they've just moved on from it. So, also, I noticed in this one, I just remembered, I think it's the first time Ricky calls back. You know, a few weeks ago, he was saying he's just going to call it the Ricky Gervais show and he's not going to introduce anyone else. But this time, he introduces Ricky Gervais, Stephen Merchant, and Carl Pilkington, the yeah. full name, not just Carl. That was the first time I noticed it. Is it the first oh, time? Yeah, I don't know. That's If it is, that's, uh, that's important. That's a, that's a breakthrough. So no, he's becoming just, his own, uh, he's becoming his own, well, I guess his celebrity star is rising a little bit. They think that people will recognize the name. Mm. Yeah, they try to get him on the poster. Has that happened yet? Uh, no. Okay, that's that's to come. Do, do they have a poster at this stage? They do a whole big uh, tube like in the, in the underground. What? They did an advertising campaign for this. Show. Yeah. Unbelievable. Are they just cashing in on the idea that the office is rocketing? I, I would say so, yeah. A Saturday, imagine that, a big poster campaign for a Saturday afternoon radio show. A poster campaign for any show these days. Every True. billboard seems to be digital and to have a printed out poster. Well, that's Andrew. When I spoke to Andrew Phillips, he said he has still copies of the posters because they did them for other DJs as well. And um, I would love to see it. That would be yeah, really cool. Me, yeah. We had like one poster that was up in the uh, foyer, which I was still impressed by. But Dom took it. He only told me a few years later. Um, he's like, oh, you know, I've got that poster. And I was like, no. And he's like, yeah, I asked you if you wanted it. And you said, why would I want that on one of our last shows? 
And yes. and I'm like, I don't recall. I don't think I said that at all. And he's like, no, no, you definitely did. I'm like, oh. so anyway, we've got one and Dom owns it. Do you know what? I was on a billboard for my university with one of my lecturers, one of my tutors. And it was out the front of the school for about three months. And it was, you know, it was like ECU coming for a brighter future. And it's me looking hopeful into the... Distance. Were you so a I, local celeb on campus? Did people recognize you? No, I just you? was. So I think my my tutor was asked to do it, and he just said, "Oh, do you want to do this?" No, and but afterwards, Faye. Oh no, nah, no, nah. no one ever recognized you from it. Not that sticks out. They're to like, mine. "Hey, poster boy." I did sign a few boobs, but that was <laughs> just do that anyway. That was from the uh, rock star broadcast that you were doing yeah. at the university, the campus radio. only radio station, uh, the D and M show. No, but so I saw that it was gone one day and I called around and I said, well, I know this is weird, but I'm on that. Can I have it? And they said, okay, yeah, let's see if we've got it. And it was in storage somewhere. It just rolled up because they peeled it off the thing and rolled well, it like, up. You know, 10 meters by three meters or something. Exactly. So I got it back to my house <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what to do with it. Cause it is, it was, it was like six feet tall by about 10 feet long. So I just had it rolled up in my backyard and I honestly don't know what's happened to oh, it. Oh, that's so funny, man. I just remembered I've been driving around a lot over the last year when my baby's sleeping. So I've driven like every street in the city. There's this um, there's this house a few suburbs over from me. The radio station you work for, Triple M, They somebody has that, like one of the old billboards, and they've got it hung over their balcony as like, you know, stopping sun from hitting their balcony, just like down the side of their house, like this three meter by 10 meter poster. A poster or like a flag or- um, I can't really tell, but it's obviously some weatherproof material. <laughs> but if, if that ever comes up at, in, in at the station and they're looking for old posters, I can tell you where it is. Well, you guys how, can go try and track it down. That's how the brand is. That's how loyal- It's in like a back street are. somewhere. Like there's no, it's not doing anything to advertise the station. <laughs> but there you go. Some people must get them, the old yeah. billboards. Yeah. Oh, that's just a loud car driving past. So educating Ricky part two, what's tomato with you? Ages ago, people thought tomatoes were poisonous. Ricky and Steve- think this is ridiculous like uh what was it last week or a couple of weeks ago the um mad like and like oh who was that mad liar charlie <laughs> uh the uh the guy who the inference was that he was ab abducted no 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 it was a different it was a different thing sorry this is frustrating if you know what we're talking about but we can't remember it ourselves it's another instance where ricky and steve dismiss it out of hand but it's actually true so that tomatoes people did think they were poisonous so from the smithsonian so I've done what I what I have done before, which is I now have Google. It's 20 years later. So I've done a little bit of research from the Smithsonian website. A nickname for the fruit was the poison apple because it was thought that aristocrats got sick and died after eating them. But the truth, truth of the matter was that wealthy Europeans used pewter plates, which were high in lead content because tomatoes are so high in acidity. When placed on this particular tableware, the fruit would leach lead from the plate resulting in many deaths from lead poisoning. No one made this connection between plate and poison at the time. The tomato was picked as the culprit. That actually reminds me, a similar thing happened to me. You know, Ricky uh, makes fun of this story and says, what am I meant to learn out of that? What am I meant to learn out of that? I think there's a good um, lesson. And it's like the um, culprit always isn't who you think it is or it's not always the obvious choice 
because I have almost the exact same story when I was a kid. I got the butter out of the fridge and I knew I liked melted butter on my toast. And I thought, how do you melt butter? So I put the container above the toaster, right? Where the heat's coming out to melt the butter. Interesting. Right. And then when I was put the butter on my toast, it tasted really plasticky. (laughs) Well, what I now know is the taste of melted plastic. At the time I did not. And I just thought that's what melted butter tasted like. And so, as a kid, I stopped eating butter for like, I don't know, a few months. I was like, no, no, no that tastes disgusting. I'm not eating that. It wasn't till like, I don't know, years later, I realized, oh no, that would have melted the plastic on the bottom and I was eating the melted plastic. So, it just occurred to you one day, you didn't one day just eat melted plastic for fun and go, I think I on. smelt it. I think I, I was like, oh, that's the smell of butter. <laughs> and then I was like, hang on, but there's no butter around. What's going on here? <laughs> I also think there's plenty to be learned from that. Um, People used to die for, as a result of the most ridiculous things in the olden days. People still die from ridiculous things, but just, can you like just, if you're on your deathbed and go, no, it's because you ate a tomato off a lead Well, don't you think though, don't you think though, how long had they been using lead that they were putting it in plates? It seems like that it must have been a very common thing. I know at a similar time they were using it in like makeup and stuff like that. It was like they were dancing around it for so many years and they couldn't, it's like, oh, this is weird. Like lead is at the scene of all of these <laughs> people's houses. And all these people getting sick from lead, but it's like, must be the tomatoes. It must be. Uh, so then they go into the extended version of living in the, uh, living in the city to get the full story. Good song with a story. Um, break 12, they reflect on the song. And I like Carl's advice. This is something you can take home with you. If you've got problems, don't think New York's the answer. Smart stuff. Uh, so then uh, Ricky, sorry, Carl is asked if he would want to know his future. He absolutely would not. If someone could tell your future to you, if someone could, it, you, you wouldn't want to know. No. You wouldn't, straight away, you knew it. Straight <laughs> yeah, away, yeah, there was yeah. no hesitation. Yeah. You've thought about this, haven't you? No. Would you want to know your future? No. Okay. That's a very, you know, do you want to explain? What do you that? want to know? Oh, I'd be scared. No, because then... To know, but then if it's... Well, it depends what you mean by, you know, do, is it like, oh, here's what you're doing, here's uh, how big your gut is, and um, here's the diseases you have. I wouldn't want to know that. See, I think people think that it would relieve anxiety. I just want to know, because a lot of anxiety comes from the unknown, doesn't it? But then if they go, for example, someone goes, well, you're going to be in... There's going to be a horrific accident. Then you, then your whole life, you're like, what's it going to be? That, yeah, that becomes they, the anxiety. It's if, like, oh. If they say, well, you're going to die a ripe old age of 101 in your sleep. It really, you're going to go to bed going, I can't wait for that, that exciting thing we're going to do tomorrow. And then you die. Then you go like, ah. Oh. So but that gives me permission to, you know, go skydiving. Well, I think it would bungee t- jump. tempt fate. Yeah, to then just walk out into traffic and go, I'm going to live to 100. Uh, so I asked our patron patrons if they would want to know their future. Yeah, okay, what did they say? So if you'd like to be, I'm going to do a bit more of this on the show. I'm going to, from the episode that we're going to be covering, if there's a question that comes out of it, I'm going to be putting it to our patrons. So it's a great idea to get involved with the Patreon, just $2 a month to be an assistant producer, get the show a week early. Uh, so the responses from pat- patrons, would you want to know your future? Nick said, no. You haven't seen a chimp knocking about, have you? Chris says, <laughs> as me or as a worm? And Alvaro says, at the end of the day, future's going to happen, ain't it? I'm not bothered. Are these all 
in the style of the show or is this how people uh would this be their genuine reactions do you think uh they are all in the style of the show and to that i say well done you took my dumb sincere question and treated it with the respect that it deserved no, this is like uh, Steve Merchant's comment section on Instagram. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, no, it answers only in uh, in references to the show. And honestly, what more could I expect? That is really the perfect way to respond to that. So thank you, Nick, Chris, Alvaro. Uh, and then we get to Rockbuster's results. These are the ones that I asked you last week. You got NSYNC. But when you heard the results, we like, ah, oh, okay, I could have probably worked that out if I... If you just yeah. tried a little harder. Should have got Flaming Lips. And Lou Reed, yeah, probably should have got that as well. Well, I'll jump ahead a little bit now. I'll give you next week's Rockbusters. Let's see how you go. Okay. The this initials, could be, like, excruciating to listen to. Well, we'll, do, we'll be quick. Just yeah. if, you, if you don't know it right away, we'll move on. The initials, JT. JT. Mm-hmm. At the moment, I'm in a river full of logs. Log, full river. Um... <laughs> JT, full uh, creek. <laughs> Don't know. I need a buzz out sound. Yep. W, that lad's got bad asthma. It's just W. W. Okay, Weezer. Bang. And C, I saw the letter C. I saw a live show, but the heating was knackered and it ruined the whole thing. Okay. If the heating well, was knackered, I immediately at a live think show, uh, I, I, cold chisel, cold. No, the 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 word, the the. So he Carl doesn't say live show, but I'll, okay, I'll say. Yeah. I saw a shake. I went and saw Shakespeare, uh, Shakespeare work, and the heating was knackered, and it ruined the whole thing. Okay. Well, I, the I heating saw, was knackered, so it has to be cold, right? Yes. Chilled, <laughs> chill, cold. It has to start with C. One word. Yes. Well, Coldplay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Bang. Two out of three. That was probably excruciating to listen to. So That's we'll do it they again. Do it. That's why they don't do it with calls yeah. anymore. <laughs> because you just have a person going, oh, uh, uh, log, log jam. Um. I, I, you will so get the first one. JT. I think river. River's the wrong word for it. It's a body of water. Okay. At the moment, I'm in a river full of logs. Logs. What's a kind of no? It, we'll, we'll leave Lumberjack. It. We'll leave it. He's um, a very, very, very logger. <laughs> Kenny Loggins. <laughs> so break fourteen. They do the story very quickly. Carl brings up the story about a shadow in Boston that pushes people <laughs> off their bikes. He says he'll have more information next week. Spoiler alert: he doesn't. Uh, and then they finish with the DJ Shadow tickets. What was your favourite bit, Zach? Hmm. You're still thinking about Rockbusters? Yeah, it's going to be hard to let go now. Um, I think the I'm, I'm enjoying educating Ricky. I think it's a good new segment. They're not doing a White Van Carl anymore. That's a good point. That's dropped off. Yeah. I don't think that's been... Not for a while. Yeah, not for a, not for a while. And so it's kind of flipped in a way because that was Ricky and Steve driving it, quizzing Carl. Now educating Ricky is like... Carl driving it, quizzing Ricky. So it's, they're flipping the dynamic. But I am enjoying just generally uh, educating Ricky. Of the three stories, which was the one you liked the best? Uh, well, you know, I love a history of agriculture. Okay. It's a niche. <laughs> it's a niche interest. So I like the tomato one. 
If you'd like to subscribe to Zach's History of Agriculture podcast. Honestly, it's not far off doing that. <laughs> uh, okay, so my favorite bit is just the delivery. I, I tend to, I'm finding that you tend to like segments. Yeah. I'm tending to identify specific moments. And for me, it's just the uniquely hilarious delivery of this. Uh, that person who's done that, don't email in because you're disqualified <laughs> from the comp. <laughs> Next week, Series 2, Episode 10, we've hit double figures, Zach. Uh, next week on the show, Ricky's getting ready for his boxing match, match, and Steve is finding it more and more ridiculous. We get Carl's stories of nearly dying, and we get his first memory. So we'll talk about first memories next week. <laughs> okay. Uh, and, of course, of course, Rockbusters is back. You can contact us, carlypilkboyspod at gmail.com or Instagram, carly.pilkboys. I know I haven't been really reading emails on the show, but I do see them and I um, do respond to all of them eventually. So thank you for emailing. Please keep doing it because um, it's good fun hearing people, hearing from people that uh, the XFM show means as much to them as it does to, to me. Um, the link to our merch is in our bio, carly.piltboys on Instagram, in the Instagram bio. And you can find Zach Manda, Z-A-C-H-M-A-N-D-R on Instagram and TikTok. I'm David Ferry at Cartoons. Zach, see you next week. Bye. And then if he went whistling. Yeah. Well chuffed with himself. <laughs> yeah.